You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 28. We're slaying online trolls and magical beasts with Justin Dean. Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you master church communications and social media. These are practical solutions from the trenches that any church can use. Now, let's join your host, Seth Muse, who only used papyrus to troll Comic Sans. Well, hey, everybody, welcome back to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I'm Seth, your host, and I am thrilled today to have my guest, Justin Dean, on the show. We're going to get with him in just a second. But first, I want to let you know that today uh, is a great day to go and follow the Seminary of Hard Knocks on Instagram. I'm putting out specific content there. It's only living on that channel. It's specific. It's about social media, communications, branding, marketing for the church. It is fun over there. So interact with me on that channel and uh, we'll get a lot of fun stuff done together. That'd be really cool. So go follow me, Seminary of Hard Knocks on Instagram. Today's guest, Justin Dean, is one of the co-founders of That Church Conference. And you can go follow them on Twitter, That Church, or I think it's That CC. Twitter. And so I'll put all these handles in the, in the show notes so you can connect. If you're not going to that church conference, you should seriously consider it. It's a very good conference. I'm actually going to get to go this year in Atlanta. It's in September. So it's, uh, it's, it's one of those times where all the communicators that are in the area that can afford it, obviously get there and, uh, communicate, they, uh, communicate, of course they're going to communicate, they network, they network about communications. And it's a great time to build friendships and relationships with other people doing what you're doing. And so if you could do that, that's a great thing to check out. Links are going to be in the show notes for that as well. Speaking of the show notes, you can find those at sethmuse.com slash 28, sethmuse.com slash 28, and find all these links that we're going to discuss in the show today with Justin Dean. Now, Justin and I met several years, several years ago, several months ago, uh, about last year on Twitter. And just, I started to connect with him. We interacted a little bit and then I actually ended up in Atlanta for a, something else, a different job altogether. We were at a show there doing some whatever. And I just reached out and said, Hey man, let's have lunch and let's have dinner. So we did had some chewies. It was incredible Mexican food and just sparked up a really great friendship ever since. And today in the show notes only, I have a special gift for those who are part of the podcast. If you go to the show notes, sethmuse.com slash two eight. There's a little button there where you can see the three minutes of, of what we discussed leading up to the moment where our podcast conversation begins. It's funny. It's fun. But we also talk about Skype and some other things that might actually be beneficial. So that's just for those that are willing to go to the show notes and click that link and actually see what's going on. So check that out. It's some pre-show banter or whatever, and uh, a lot of fun. So Go look at a special behind-the-scenes look at the podcast, kind of what happens beforehand. It may sound polished. It may not. I don't know. But when we get this thing actually out, we're really happy with it, and it sounds good, and it sounds like we're pros. Sometimes we're just a bunch of idiots that are kind of hanging out. So it's fun. Go check that out. Now, today on the show, Justin Dean 
is a good friend of mine, like I said, and has a great insight on how to handle negativity online. He's been a PR director at uh, Mars Hill with Mark Driscoll and uh, has had his share of fielding the ball when it comes to negative responses, whether that be on Facebook or on Twitter, uh, Instagram, or just in the media in general. So Justin has a book out. It's called PR Matters, and it's a great book. You got to pick that up. We're going to talk about it in the show as well, but it, it has a lot of insights on creating a plan for something that might happen. It's always better to have a plan that you need to adjust rather than having to make up a plan in the middle of the firefight when somebody comes at your church hard, bro, right? So Justin has a lot of cool insights for us as church communicators to make sure that we're prepared for that. Now, on the other side of that, it's day to day. How do you handle the person that just gets on Facebook and acts like a jerk to your church? What's the process? What do you do? We're going to talk about all that. So let's get to that conversation. Let the experts do what they do. And let's listen to Justin Dean tell us how to slay these online trolls and other magical beasts. Check it out. Today on the show, I am thrilled to bring my guest to you. His name is Justin Dean. Justin, say hello. How you doing, man? Hey, Seth. So, like, I am so excited to be on your podcast. Definitely one of the coolest podcasts out there. So I appreciate you having me on. Wow. I feel all buttery. You just butter me up real good. That's nice. If only more guests would do that. Right? Oh, come on. You're the best. Me. You're the best, man. I love you, Uncle Seth. <laughs> Uncle Seth. That's, that's my rap name, by the way, everybody. Nice. We decided that earlier. So Justin uh, is the uh, one of the co-founders of That Church Conference, and we connected over Twitter and just really hit it off immediately and just have a, a, a similar mindset for how church social and communications go tell us how the, that church conference is going man oh man it's going great it's uh it's kind of my full-time gig now uh you know it doesn't pay much but it's like it's my baby that's what i do right uh day in and day out and uh we we love doing it like we love equipping the church and church communicators and so we got you know four events a year we got the online membership just busting out resources uh almost every day at this point. So it's going yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, the community is growing. And so I think that has a lot to do with it too. There's just so much good content coming out of your community and out of my community too. I mean, I'm part of it as well. The, the, that church community that happens and the conferences and just everyone's connecting and like finding people that can help them on, in real time with stuff. That's awesome. That's the coolest part about it, man. Cause like we're, you know, we're not experts. We definitely bring in experts, uh, to produce content, provide, you know, speaking and things like that. But what's really awesome is definitely the community and the spirit of just sharing with each other, connecting with other people who do what you do, understand what you do. Like sometimes in our private Facebook group for the pro members, like people just use it as a place to vent and just encourage each other, motivate each other, share resources. I mean, it's it's pretty cool to watch that kind of step back and be like, we didn't even do anything. Just people are naturally connecting. Yeah, just providing that opportunity is really, we just needed that, right? I mean, yeah. communications in the church world is still fairly new. I mean, we're just kind of all figuring out what it means to be a church communicator and what oh. that role looks like in churches. And so having people around us that are going through that similar struggle is really awesome uh, to offer a lot of support. And I think you guys, you know, you, you have a story of communicating in the church. You've been a church communicator for a long time. So why don't you tell us kind of where you come from and how, what your background is. 
Yeah, I mean, my my history is in the the corporate world. I've got more experience in the corporate world than than church uh, at this point. But um, you know, was working at different startups, helped start a few companies and sell a few companies. And um, one of those ventures uh, wound us up in Seattle, Washington. We were living in Georgia at the time, and a uh, company gave me an opportunity to go to Seattle for what was supposed to be a uh, six month trip. Like we literally just got on a plane, left all our stuff behind and they put us up in a, you know, furnished apartment and I was just trying to help sell the company. And then we'd come back and thought it'd be a fun little adventure for the family. At, at the time we only had one kid and now we've got four. So I don't know that we'd take an adventure like that these days, but yeah, uh, it was, it was fun. We went out there, uh, helped sell the company. Uh, but during that time, I, uh, was leading a community group at the church we were at at, at uh, Mars Hill Church, and we just we just fell in love with the community that we were surrounded by that we you know up until that point had never really had or experienced, and so uh, we decided, hey, let's let's stay in Seattle and uh, kind of make a go of this. And I started looking for jobs and wound up uh, actually at the church, accepting a position, taking a huge leap of faith and a huge pay cut. And uh, <laughs> yeah. entering into ministry, and um, I was actually there at Mars Hill as the communications director for almost five years, uh, working with Mark Driscoll and um, the whole team there, uh, oversaw social media and communications, our blogs, PR, uh, pretty much any communication coming out of the church for, for a while there. So that's kind of where I gained my uh, direct church experience in church communications, and Unfortunately, when that church closed at the end of uh, 2014, uh, that kind of ended that stint in my life. Uh, but uh, we came on back to Atlanta, ended up starting the conference right away, and uh, now I help other churches and then equip them, um, you know, with the experience that I learned up there. Yeah, and and speaking of that, you know, a lot of you, you've written a book recently about. PR for churches, like public relations, and comes from a lot of that experience. And so, um, is that book out yet? Have you finished that? It, uh, the book is not out yet. So it's, it's on sale for pre-orders. Uh, I'm self-publishing it because, uh, you know, frankly, like that could be a whole podcast episode later on, maybe like absolutely publishing is, is a broken, broken, industry. So, uh, I'm going at it, uh, alone and, you know, frankly, there, it, it takes a lot of time to edit and get things right. And, um, I know it's going to be a controversial book just because people will expect it to be a Mars Hill story book, which I definitely tap into, uh, my experiences and, and share some stories from Mars Hill. It's not like, uh, a memoir of my time there at all. It's, it's a practical book for church communicators. Yeah. And, uh, but I, you know, I want to get it right because I know there's going to be, uh, definitely some critics and trolls out there that'll pick it apart. So it'll be out soon. Hope, hoping to release it here in uh, April or May. Yeah. And I can't wait for that. I think it's going to be a really great addition to, uh, the church knowledge base. Cause that's not something that's really been written on a lot. It, to my knowledge. Um, and you mentioned yeah. being controversial. It's kind of how you and I, <laughs> we have yeah. that in common. Like, I, I feel like we, we're kind of comfortable in that setting. Like, yeah, this there's people that hate sure. this. Sure. I don't care. I'll put it out anyway. So it's kind of, and obviously we're not flipping about it, but still there is a, uh, you know, there's a, there's a common thread there that there's conflict that happens around the church and it, 
And uh, in that book, I know that you're going to address some steps and how to be prepared for it and, and prep churches to do that well. So yeah. so I'm excited. If you guys are listening to this podcast right now, which you obviously are, if you heard me say that just now, then go get that <laughs> go get that pre-order and get ready to, to uh, really soak up some, some knowledge from the fire hydrant there. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, you can get that at, uh, at churchprbook.com is where you can go find all the info for that. Cool. Yeah, I'll put that link in the show notes as well so that awesome. they, they can go to it. Um, you mentioned uh, a couple of things like controversy and trolls, and that's actually what I wanted to talk with you about today and how we can maybe slay some of those magical beasts that we may find online, such as trolls or snipes or whatever. You know, we can find those <laughs> people willing to just trash things or ruin the Internet, basically, at yeah. almost every turn. Right. So so how let's start with like a controversial topic of politics real quick sure why not yeah right? why not i mean we typically Let's stay away from, in, yeah we're staying away from politics usually uh, on the podcast because people it's so divisive so i really don't want to talk about politics right. but recently we did go through an election cycle everyone knows that and everyone knows that it has been Let's say strenuous. It has been a strenuous process this time around for whatever reason. And uh, we're still feeling some of those effects. So without getting into the actual politics of things, you know, what do you think this election cycle revealed about the state of social media or people in general's, you know, attitudes on social media online? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it, it obviously divided us or at least showed it exposed like how divided we really are as a people. And I think social media was the, the medium that just really helped fuel that. I mean, even, you know, four years ago, definitely eight years ago, social media was, was around. And, and in fact, uh, Barack Obama was one of, you know, the first presidents to really use social media. And, uh, frankly, his campaign, um, and his team rocked at social media. Like there's so much to learn from, yeah. There's, what they did. There's some uh, people that say that's what got him elected. That's that's what brought oh, out that vote. And, yeah. 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 I, I totally agree with that. And, uh, you know, politics aside, there's there's tons to learn from there. I mean, there, I think there's a book, I forget what it's called, but it's all about just learning social media from, from Barack Obama and his team. So, um, you know, definitely. But, you know, before, before him, like this wasn't um, social media just wasn't you know, out there. You know, Facebook was still new, Twitter was still new, things like that. So, mm-hmm. definitely, this cycle we saw. Okay, we've ha- we have this communication platform where we're able to not only hear directly from the candidates in real time, but we're able to react to it in real time. We're able to hear what others are saying on the news, what our friends are saying, and I think it just fueled it like crazy. It was one of the first things besides like a sporting event or a TV show where we could all hear each other's thoughts and, and, you know, have conversations about something in real time every single day throughout the entire election cycle. And, uh, I think that revealed a, a ton about us. That's, that's not really great. I mean, yeah, you know, lack of self-control, I think would be a big <laughs> yes. one. And, and believe me, like I speak, you know, for myself, like you, you said it, like you and I both are, uh, we don't shy away from controversy, but, Sometimes that definitely gets us uh, in trouble. I mean, kick in the pants. Yep. Tame your tongue, you know? <laughs> yes. Big kick in the pants. I, I know that uh, there were a few times where you went and, and posted some things, and I, and we're friends, so I was watching some of it, and I'm like, uh-oh. You know, <laughs> like, here we go. And uh, it's, I, don't, you know, I don't even know if I posted, like, the – 
in the comments, I might've done like the Michael Jackson meme. I'm just here for the comments or whatever, yeah. because that's kind of what it is sometimes. Cause man, you don't have to say much these days to get a lot of pushback. Let's call it pushback as a nice term, you know? Yeah. Anger, I mean, sometimes rage. it's definitely a lot worse than pushback, but yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely like, I admire people in my life that, are able to just kind of go about their life without ever posting anything controversial online. Like I, I try so hard to do that, but then there comes a point where I'm just like, no, I gotta, I gotta say something. I gotta do it. I gotta join this conversation. I gotta do my part. And, uh, sometimes you regret it and sometimes, uh, it turns out great, but, uh, yeah. Cause there is that know. balance, right. Between yeah. I want to, I want to, be the change that I expect to see, you know, I want to be part of that. Yeah. And if I don't say something, it won't change. But at the same time, if I say something, is it really going to change? Does it matter? Are people going to, you know, so there's that balance between like, when do I speak up? When do I not? Well, that's the, yeah. I mean, that's what I've got to learn is that I do want to be that change. I do want to influence the world around me, but I've never seen that work through a Facebook post or commenting on someone else's Facebook post. Like those conversations just never, end up great and people see those kind of conversations and it doesn't bring them closer to the Lord. It doesn't bring them even closer to your side, whether you're conservative or liberal or whatever. And, uh, what I'm learning is that those types of conversations, those types of things, if you really want to be influential, you got to do it through real relationships. Uh, and that means you're going to be limited on what your influence is, uh, online. And, you know, frankly, there's better ways to put content out there, like write a book or create a, you know, video series or something and become an expert in a field and do your research. But just ranting on Facebook and commenting on Facebook and things like that just is not really super helpful when it, when it comes to things like this. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, there's any number of like magical creatures out there. There's, you know, all kinds of people waiting in the, in the, in the wings to just for you to say one thing. And sometimes it's not even about the subject, right? It's about like, I'm waiting for you to misspell a word. I'm, I'm yeah. waiting for you to say something that is, uh, that I know to be false that I can come in and just go, that's not true, but it's not really related to the topic. You know, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to find a way or if I can't find anything, I'm going to, I'm going to attack your tone. Like, Hey, this right. is not the way to do this. You know, there's always like uh, trolls, there's snipes, there's, you know, Rick rollers and, Calvinists everywhere, you know, that, whoa, whoa, you know, whoa. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm a five pointer right here. Maybe a four and a half. Pointer. I can't, I went to a school that was very reformed. And so I have a lot of friends, I have a lot of friends that are that way, are five pointers themselves. So, uh, <laughs> but, but, but thinking that's, of, that's the problem, right? Like there's, there's, you know, you can comment on something, even from that type of point of view, and it can be completely controversial and completely divisive against your own Christian brothers and sisters. Like, yeah, and you can like say something really nice, you know, that is, I'm just trying to help. Yeah. But since you're not in the agreement with a certain theology system, a person from that theology system could come and go, no, that's not right. Here's why you're an idiot. And, and like, <laughs> whoa, buddy, where'd you come from? They like totally snipe you from the bushes and you don't even see it coming. And it's so, so angering. So yeah. with all that out there, is it even possible to really have an opinion on things that matter without really expecting some of that? Yeah, no, you got, you got to expect it. There's, there's no way to be 
anything without someone coming at it from a different perspective and possibly getting offended, especially these days. It's it's almost popular and trendy to be offended, to have an opinion on something, to create the controversy out of nothing. Um, So, no, I don't I don't think you can expect to get out there and share content, share an opinion, especially as a church without some kind of pushback in some way. Now, now you can definitely, uh, you know, be more discerning and creative and organized and professional. Right. There's definitely ways to go about things, um, but there's always going to be pushback. Um, One of my favorite books uh, is by John Ronson, and it's called uh, So You've Been Publicly Shamed. And in that book, he uh, he says, we have created a world where the smartest way to survive is to be bland. And yeah. I think that's so true for the church, especially Man. the world around us wants Christians to be bland. They don't want us to have an opinion on homosexuality, on politics, on gay marriage, on women's rights, on abortion, on anything at all. They want us to be bland. They want us to, to be dumbed down, to be silenced. That's the way that you avoid the trolls and avoid the controversy is by being bland, just being the church that doesn't have an opinion on anything. You'll probably grow in right. today's world, in today's culture. You'll probably grow. You'll probably become a pretty big church if you just bland things down. But yeah, and I, I agree. Know, I, I, totally, I totally agree, man. I, it feels like that there's either. The church that's going to do that or the church that's going to wade way too far into like now we have a political yeah. affiliation and now we have, <laughs> you know, a one one word mission statement, that, you know, or two word mission statement that is end abortion. And that's what our church is about. And yeah. and while that's a noble cause that our churches should care about, it's like, man, you've you've gone one extreme or the other. And, and it's like the, the mission is kind of in there in the middle. Right. It's like being discerning well, and it's being. Uh, prayerful about what you uh, have an opinion on, especially in the public face on social media. Well, and when you're like, when you're thinking about um, going to a new church, like the most common question now is, well, is it a conservative church or a liberal church? Like that's how we're dividing and defining the types of churches out there. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, what does that have to do anything with the gospel and the mission of the church. Right. Like, and, and those words can mean so many different things. Oh, totally. And so it's like really hard to define that anyway. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there is a, a desire of the church. I think you're totally right that being safe, you know, and avoiding the risk and avoiding that pushback is like become part of our mission. You know, it's kind of an unsaid part of our mission statement is to make disciples if it's not too, uh, you know, inconvenient. Yeah, and and I get it. Like, there's definitely, um, there's definitely a, a call and a, a need um, to want to be more welcoming to people as a church. Like, we we have definitely, as a whole, as a big C church. I hate that phrase, but people understand what I mean now. Like, <laughs> the, the church as a whole needs to be more welcoming to everybody. Like, because people do see it as like, okay, well conservative church okay if i'm if i'm gay or even if i struggle with same sex attraction i'm not going to be welcome there 
okay, the liberal church totally is going to be open to me, so I can go there. Like, we, as a church as a whole, every single church should be open to everybody to come in. Like, we want sinners of all kinds to be able to come to our church and be able to hear the gospel and experience community and experience love and God's grace. And I feel like, you know, you hit it a second ago, churches are one or the other. They're, they're super extreme or they're just super bland. And I think that there is a huge need for something that's a little more, you know, down the middle. Like I, I would say at Mars Hill, we were probably more on the extreme conservative side, all in the name of being biblical. Like we weren't, we didn't have any beliefs or anything that weren't like solidly had a foundation in, in the Bible. Right. But it was like, okay, well, this doesn't make it too welcoming and, you know, to certain types of, of people. Now, once they came in and they experienced the community and, and you know, the, the grace that, that God was, you know, expanding upon people through the church, they, they understood and they learned and they became educated. But coming on the outside or even just visiting on a off Sunday, it would seem like, wow, like, I'm not going to be welcome here. Now, on the flip side, I visited churches um, that are just like, yeah, anybody's welcome. Everyone come in. We're, we're barely going to even touch on the Bible. We're going to sing some awesome songs, though. You're totally going to feel good walking out of here, but you're never going to be confronted about your sin. You're never going to be challenged or anything like that. Like It's totally on you to grow and to learn what the Bible says and to guide your convictions and things like that. And I just think, like, man, like that's just as damaging. Yeah, there needs to be something in the middle. Well, yeah, and 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 the the question I have is, hearing that, how much of that should be reflected in a social media strategy? Because you, mm-hmm. you are you are talking about a little bit different thing than the actual personal face to face. You know, you have that barrier of text or whatever on social media, and I think video is going to make that much better. Now that, sure. you know, as video gets up, because you can now see tone, hear the tones and see the faces and that kind of stuff. So yeah. it's going to help with discipleship a lot in video. And that's kind of my prediction for the future. But uh, how does it look in social media for us to become more in that middle, like challenging people, but also having grace? You know, how are we, what does it look like in, in the social media world? I think that it, it needs to be. Uh, relational and real it needs to it needs to come you know person to person like so, so often we see social media as an advertising or marketing platform promotional platform it's a way to push out content and all of that's true and it definitely is a, a great the best platform for all of that but it needs to uh all be under that umbrella of this is a relational conversational communications tool and that's how the church should be using it first and foremost. So when you're sharing content on a belief or even just sermon content or a clip or an article or whatever, people need to be activated to engage around that content. As people like it, comment on it, and have questions and share it, people from your church, whether it's a social media manager or volunteers or pastors or staff or just a culture of knowing that your members are going to chime in and things like that need to be embracing those people and learning who they are, listening to what they're saying, pointing them to other resources, inviting them to have conversations and coffee shops, inviting them to church. Like it needs to be people first in the way that we communicate through social media. And unfortunately that's just not the case. Like we're learning so much from 
brands that are just so robotic and automated um, Mm -hmm. and we're so worried about likes and reach and things like that that we're forgetting that these are actual people that we're trying to reach. Yeah, and I think some of the issue uh, that we have is that the social media manager at a church, whoever's running that, typically – and sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. But a lot of times what I'm seeing is they're, they're not a pastor. They're not in a pastoral role. And even mm-hmm. if they are a pastor at the church, may not feel like they have the authority to kind of disciple people on social media or share things that say, this is what you should think, because yeah. they're not maybe the, the pastor of the church. And so how does that dynamic, what's, what's the way that dynamic can kind of work out? I mean, what do you what do you think they need to have as far as like a social media manager? What kind of credentials, or can you just talk about that? I guess in a in a perfect world where the church is really embracing this role as a as a needed and important role, that person should absolutely be a pastor or have pastoral training um, or have immediate access to to resources and other pastors like it. This this role, a social media manager, should not be pawned off to the lowest paid person on staff. It should not be pawned off to volunteers or an intern. Like when you think about it, your online audience, whether you do church online or not, like that's a whole different thing. Right. But the people you can reach through using digital means, your website, social media accounts, things like that, is huge. It's it's you know Facebook alone. Is two billion active users or something like that? Like right. that's crazy. That, that's basically everyone, and you're able to reach them. You're able to reach them in very real, tangible ways, not just in your community, but all over the world if, if you really want to. And so that's that's bigger than any pulpit. That's bigger than the largest church uh, in America. You know, like it it doesn't get any bigger than that. I don't care how many locations right. you have. We put so much emphasis on the pulpit and our buildings, but really the potential to actually reach the nations is there through social media. And yet we pay someone 20 grand a year with no training at all. And we put them in an office somewhere and we just say, hey, make sure you post the latest sermon. Hey, make sure you tell people about daylight savings. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were. (laughs) You've been griping about that for a week. I knew you were going to bring it up. That's awesome. It's my biggest pet peeve. (laughs) It's not my biggest. I have a ton of pet peeves. Yeah. Yeah. You and I are a lot alike in that. We have a ton of pet peeves. (laughs) Easily angered, I guess. Easily irritable. Yeah. so, I just want better for the church. I really man. do. I just want it to be better. Just be better. You know, it's like <laughs> I really want that so bad. And sometimes it gets the better of us. Well, I, I totally get that. I totally agree with you. And I feel like um, where we are right now in the church, you know, there's there's an, there's exactly that mentality of we're just putting stuff out that we've already done. Yeah. And, you know, it's like remind everybody of stuff we have going on. And, and, and I think there are churches that are doing a lot better than that. And you know, I need to say that. And I think you do too. You know them. Sure. There's there's churches that are really getting the social part of social media down and they're and they're reacting and they're like I know that I pray with our people when they send a prayer request, I'll type a prayer out, you know, that kind of stuff. We're trying to be very interactive with what we do, but at the same time there's this misunderstanding that uh, this is just some, you know, role you can anybody can do, you know. It's not a pastoral role when it very much is a pastoral role. And I get it. Like, don't, you know, 
don't hear me on this. People who are listening and say, okay, that's, that's great. Cool. In an ideal world, sure. We'd, we'd hire a pastor and pay him 60 grand a year and he'd have a whole team and you know, we'd, we'd rocket social media, but that's, you know, not going to happen. Our senior pastor doesn't even make six grand a year and right. we've only got three people on staff. So what are, what are we supposed to do? Like, how are we supposed to do this? Right. And I think honestly, when it comes down to it, it, it certainly is as simple as that. Like if you really care about this, you really want to get the training needed and, and do this right. Like you'll find the money to figure it out and, and to do this right. Like I, I always tell people, uh, church planners will come to me a lot and want advice on, uh, planning their new church and I'll tell them, <coughs> excuse me. And, and I'll tell them, you know, don't worry about your overseas missions budget in your first year or two. Don't worry about your bulletin printing or your billboards and things like that. Put all that money into Facebook ads, put all that money into a social media manager. And I guarantee you'll be able to reach a lot more people. Yeah. I'll tell you at our church, we just, our church is about 1500 to 2000 people on a typical Sunday uh, coming through that whole, we have two services and that, and through all that we average about 1500 to 2000. Our Facebook likes are 4,000. We just hit 4,000. So it's literally twice the audience. And then, and some of those are, you know, staff and some of those are relatives and people that would never show up at our church. They just like it because their family goes there. Sure. But sure. that's your reach. Cut, cut that in half even. And that's a, that's a mega church. That's right. You know, right. 3%, 3% of churches are that big. Right. Right. And so you, and you've so, got this opportunity to reach now. I know with Facebook, like you don't, they don't let you reach everybody unless you're paying for it. But if you're paying for it, you can reach a lot of people online with who knows what with, you know, here's our mission statement with here's not just announcements, but like, here's a video that really tells this awesome story that you can connect with. And, and it might challenge you in some area, or it might inspire you to grow. Uh, you, you don't know how many, how many people you can actually reach with that. Kind and of we're stuff. talking a hundred bucks a month. Like we're not right. You know, when you, when you have to pay for that reach, like it's, it's not a ton of money. That's way cheaper than any bulletin or, Direct mail campaign, that's for sure. Right. Well, let's, let's talk about the social media strategy. Like, you're going to get people that are going to troll you and that are going to be negative. So what are some – what's kind of an action step? When someone comments, like, on a Facebook post and says, I can't believe you posted that or this is this is so wrong and here's why. As a church social media manager, what, what are some steps they can go through to answer that and handle that situation? Yeah, I mean – I think there needs to be a, a mentality of, okay, you know, these are real people like trolls, trolls are real people too. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to have an understanding of, um, the type of troll that they are and that will determine how you, how you respond. So there's definitely the people who are just like full on spammers. They'll, they'll post the same message over and over, or they're, they're literally trying to sell a service or something like that. Like, that's easy to determine what's real and what's not and to be able to just honestly delete those and, and block them, um, especially if it's like, you know, selling a supplement or something like that. It's like, come on, oh, that's just spam. Let's get rid of it. Yeah, Plexus so can, is not Christianity, right? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> you, you can easily filter that stuff out. And then there's the people who um, are like maliciously, you know, they want to harm the church and they want to harm Christians, you know, with their words or physically or whatever, like it, it's pretty clear when someone's just really hateful person who's, who's causing trouble 
And in those cases, it's like, okay, you, you know, you, you give them a single warning if you, if you want. You, you Facebook message them directly or you reply to their comment and you just say, hey, you know, here's our rules. This is inappropriate. And, uh, you know, if they continue, then it's super easy to block them and delete it and things like that. Um, and that's assuming that you have rules posted like in, on your page. You know, I think it's a good idea too. You kind of you kind of went by that real quick. A, a lot of churches don't do that. Like post, here's our posting rules. If you're going to engage on our page, like uh, yeah. set it over to the side in your description or whatever. Yeah, I think that that's definitely uh, super important. I mean, that's easy to put on Facebook, on, on Twitter. You could just, um, you know, what what we used to do is we put that on our website, um, and then we easily link to it. So if, you know, someone commented something, we reply back and like, Hey, just, you know, we want to remind you about our community guidelines and link over to the website. Um, and you can put that in your Twitter bio, or you can just, you know, reply to people or DM them with it and things like that. But that's, that's super helpful to have a place to point to, to say, yeah. Hey, we're not, we're not changing these on the fly here. Here's what they are. Um, and that's, that's helpful just for transparency. So uh, you, you can be fair to everybody. Um, and people don't feel like you're singling, uh, a person out because of their race or affiliation or something they said or anything like that. It just kind of takes all that off the table. Right. But, you know, I think there's, there's definitely, um, a few more different categories of people who, who are going to comment in a negative way. And some, some of these people are just legitimately, um, people with questions that might just be controversial questions or they're just really bad communicators and it's, it's coming across in a different tone than maybe they intend um, or maybe they do intend it, but you know these are still real people that are hurting and sinful, just like us. And I think it, it creates a real opportunity to try and connect with them. Yeah. More often than not, that doesn't mean engage in a debate back and forth in the comments, but it means that you can you can answer their questions when they have a question. You can re, you can you know uh, submit them over to different resources and links. Or you can say, "Hey, can can I message you and let's let's talk about this privately?" Or here's how to contact such and such pastor. Um, but I, I think everything like that deserves some kind of response. Like I don't I don't think a church should ever ignore something just because it's a little bit controversial or um, you know might look slightly bad. I, I think what looks bad is when you ignore that stuff. Uh, especially if you're replying to other things that help promote the church, it's like, man, you're you're just picking and choosing what you want to reply to, and that's not great. Right. Um, so I think you know, more often than not, you want to reply, you want to answer questions, you want to show love and grace for people, and whenever it's going to take longer than a few sentences, then just take those conversations offline. You know, 99% of the time, if someone's just a troll and they just want to be a jerk, as soon as you say, hey, can we? Can we take this conversation offline? Here's how to contact us. Um, they'll never contact you. It, you know, it'll never uh, materialize into anything else, and they'll it'll shut down the conversation, and they'll move on. They might pop up again on another post, but at least that shut down, and other people see it as okay. Well, they they at least tried to reach out to that person. For all I know, they had a full on conversation. The guy's a Christian, and he's getting baptized next week. You know, we don't know, right? But. It, you know, at least it doesn't just linger there unanswered. Yeah, and I think if that's— you do fight back and want to engage back and forth, then that's where you say, hey, like, I, you know, we offered to to talk about this. This is not the place to do that. And if they continue, that's where you say, okay, well, look, uh, you know, I'm going to block you or I'm going to hide the message on Facebook. Uh, and you can kind of, you know, escalate the situation from there as needed. Yeah, I had to do that with someone, too, pretty early on when I came to, to the Heights. There was a uh, 
a negative comment on the page and just had to go. I went through all those steps and eventually it got to the point where he just would not talk to me privately. So I was like, you know what? Sorry, we're not going to do this. So I banned him. You know, I had to block that person because he was just everywhere trying to uh, stir things up. He had no intention of really fixing a problem. He just wanted to gripe and, and yell at somebody. And yeah, just, you, you got to just do the to to your best ability on on your side of the conversation to to try your best to to actually reach out to people and help them and love them, and then you know it gets to the point where you just got to say, okay, you know, I've, I've done what I can, and you're abusing this communications mm-hmm. method, so yeah, I'm revoking that that privilege for you. Yeah, and that's that's grace. That's what grace looks like online. It's just giving them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, when they yeah. come in with that anger and that hostility, you're like, okay, you know what? Maybe this is a real person that has a real problem. I mean, obviously they're a real person, but maybe this is a person that has a real problem and they're just angry. So let's not just go, you're out of here, buddy. You know, let's try to help them, help them through the issue if you can. Well, uh, and that's the thing, like, you know, I always say proximity matters. Like when you're actually, when you actually interact with someone and reply to them, it that immediately kind of breaks down some of those barriers and walls. Like someone can write, to their heart's content, the most angry comment ever. They're super fired up and they're not expecting you to reply or they're expecting to be banned or they're expecting to be deleted. And when you reply back with love and grace in a nice tone, that immediately is going to diffuse that for a reasonable person. And more often than not, you, you see them come back and say, Oh, okay. You know, I, I see, I see what you mean then, or, you know, thank, thank you for the additional resources or I appreciate it. Like you, it's like, wait a minute, two, two comments ago, you were right on fire and now you're just like okay we can agree to disagree and move on it's like yes. okay that's great <laughs> yeah but now i want to be your friend yeah <laughs> that's like it's, whoa it's big time same, change yeah it's even better if you can do it in person like you know it's, people will uh like uh, think about trump like people talk bad about him all the time but i guarantee you if, if you were in, had an opportunity to meet him you would shake him his hand and show him some respect because he's the president like you might still go back behind his back and say all the bad things you want to say about him, but there's just something about connecting in person, shaking someone's hand, seeing body language and facial expressions. Like that just takes it to an even greater level. But you can do that online as well, just just with your words by replying to people and treating them like a human. Right, I, I agree with you. I, I think, and there are some that are going to go, I wouldn't do that, but you should. You know, it's like, yeah. it's never, well, you're it, wrong. It's yeah. the Christ-like thing to do. You know, it's what yeah. he would do. I mean, yeah. he got crucified and didn't raise a hand against people and showed respect. I mean, it's like, that's our example, right? It's what we do. So anyway, um, talking about social media, there's things you can post online from a church's Facebook page. And I know we're focusing a lot on Facebook, but Instagram and Twitter too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can share other people's things, you know, or articles, yeah. or you can share um, blog posts and you can share, um, or you can just do something fun, you know, and it's kind of like those things are risky things, right? I mean, cause you never know how people are going to take that kind of stuff. So yeah. what are some guidelines for sharing that kind of stuff for churches that you think we might pay attention to? No, 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 man. Churches should be, uh, super serious. Uh, everything, <laughs> everything should have uh, a scripture verse tied to it. Otherwise, you know, you're obviously not getting it from the Bible. And so. a cross in the image. Yeah. It should have a, a cross and a sunrise. Um, a dove is also acceptable. Every image. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Double points man. for a, for a cross with a dove in it. That's what people expect though, man. They want <laughs> us to be bland. They want us to be, uh, just so 
boring and outdated and churches are feeding into that. Like churches need to be bold. Like when, when people are asking me, Hey, what, what uh, account should I follow to get some inspiration for content we should post and things like that? You know what I say? Wendy's. Taco Absolutely. Bell, um, Wendy's is awesome right now. Cracker Barrel is rocking it lately. Like you go look at the Wendy's feed and you like, it's shocking on Twitter how, how sassy they are. And oh, it's like, been amazing. Did this whole article on the, on the woman who runs it and her team. And it is brilliant. Not what you would expect from a, huge billion dollar corporation right uh you know and honestly you look five years ago at their feed and it's a boring corporate feed yeah but I, actually that's why i follow i follow whataburger too yes and yeah. whataburger has and denny's denny's has a really funny great Dude, tw- denny's is funny it's a really great feed and you, you kind of like if i'm if i'm running social media for a restaurant i mean am i seriously going to put out pictures of food all day I mean, and that's what they're doing. Like you, you look at like McDonald's sucks at social media. <laughs> like, I don't, you know, it, Burger King is a little edgy, but they come and go. Like they'll do yeah. little sprints just to get, get attention. They're not actually engaging on a day to day like, like Wendy's is. And I mean, it's just, it, you just want like Wendy's will treat you like a person good or bad. Like they'll, right. They'll attack their trolls uh, back, which I think is funny. Like it's yes, there's definitely maybe a lesson to be learned there too. But. Well, and and that's the thing too. I think with churches, sometimes we feel like we cannot be funny, we yeah. cannot have fun, and because it gets because it's easy to like. Uh, I think Michael Scott on the Office said, "There's no such thing as an appropriate joke." You know, it's like that's, that's yeah. what makes it a joke. And and to a point, there's some truth to that, but there's also just fun you can have without trying to make fun of someone or mock someone or troll them back or whatever. And churches can tap into that. So yeah. do you do you see that happening in church world? I mean, are we being fun? Any Is anybody being fun on social media? Uh, you know, I don't want to say no. Like there's definitely churches that are uh, that are trying to be. The, the problem I see, though, is someone will come up with an edgy idea that you know is just on the line and it works and it it worked for them and then they'll go post it in a facebook group and then for the next three weeks every single church will post the exact same thing and then it just becomes like a a boring unoriginal christian meme and it's you know it's just not original like we, we need to think bigger than that like it needs to become a a culture of what we do. And, and I don't see any church now. I'm sure there's some out there like, a, you know, hopefully people will listen to this and say, no, no, no here's who's doing it. Great. Yeah. But I, I just can't think of any on the top of my head that are doing this like consistently, you know, walking that line, pushing the boundaries a little bit, trying to be, um, you know, not doing what we've been doing for the last hundred years, but actually kind of thinking outside the box in order to reach people for the gospel in order to meet them in the culture that they're in, in order to not be boring and bland, but to be bold, like for the gospel, bold for the gospel, but in a way that's that's personable and just humanizes it. And I just I don't see that. Yeah, and I think consistently from anybody. And my my big question for that is like, there's often a lot of disconnect. Now, hear what hear your thoughts on this. There's a disconnect between how having fun on social media as a church connects people to the mission and vision of the church. 
Like, how does that serve that mission? Like, if your mission is, you know, make disciples of all nations and it's just Matthew, you know, it's just the Great Commission straight out, you know. Yeah. So how do you fit, like, humor and fun into that kind of vision? Well, and that's the pushback you'll get from your senior pastor every time you post a a joke or something funny is they'll say, hey, like, could you have not linked that to our latest event or something? Like, how does that put people in our seats? How does that fill up the events? How does that, you know, get new donors? And that's because they're thinking very individually and and one off with each post. They're not thinking about the big picture. And so you can be funny. You can post something that has nothing to do with anything other than it's, it's content that people can engage with and, and, um, you know, think is funny and share because that's, it all goes back to your perception and your reputation and what you want people to think about your brand that you're putting out there. So when I see in my feed a church post something funny, you know, whether it's a meme or a joke or just whatever, or they're being sassy with someone, I see that and go, wow, that's that's cool. Like that that just broke down all the barriers that I had, all the misconceptions I had about church and makes it kind of fun. Like that's that's a church that maybe I want to check out. And when, when you're sitting there looking in your feed and you're thinking about a, a church that you may want to visit or you're having those questions about faith or questions about Jesus, you're not going to be drawn to the church that's very corporate and here's the next event and here's this and come to our liturgical blah, blah, blah words I don't even understand. No, you're <laughs> going to be drawn to the church that's like Wendy's. That's funny that you – that's like you, that you want to be a part of. Now, obviously, you're not going to appeal to everyone that way, but right. pick pick a personality, pick an audience and appeal to that because your church isn't going to serve everyone. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and, and there's also that danger of like somebody who thinks they're funny and they're not funny and yeah, they're, they're the, trying to yeah. – you, know, you actually need to be funny, yeah, right? There don't to... don't put the uh, the sixty year old receptionist in charge of your digital strategy unless she's awesome and funny and knows what she's doing. Exactly, <laughs> I think. Yeah, and and honestly, you know, when you're trying to be funny, sometimes you you will rub people the wrong way, and it will bring out some of that pushback and negative response. But at the same you know time, what? it makes people it humanizes your organization, it humanizes your church. And I don't care, like, apart from being sinful, probably the best thing that we can do is walk that line and make a mistake every once in a while and then show people a real-world example of how we can apologize and repent and show grace to one another. Like, you can't be squeaky clean, bland all the time and expect people to come to Christ and expect people to understand the true gospel, because that's what we need saving from. And churches and Christians aren't perfect people. Like we, we are people who repent daily. We should be repenting daily. And if we can express that and say, you know what? Hey, we, we crossed the line with that last post. We're so sorry. Or we offended this, this person. We're, we're so sorry. You know what? We deleted it or we're changing it or we're just going to issue apology for it. Honestly, that vulnerability, that candidness, will go so much further than anything else you post because people will see that you're real and they'll be able to see, hey, those people made a mistake too, just like I make mistakes all the time. But you know what? There's something different about them. They received forgiveness somehow. How do I get that kind of forgiveness? Like I don't know why we're so afraid to show that vulnerability from the church. Yeah, there's there's an age-old understanding, I think, that – 
we have to present Christ, which means we have to pretend to be him to people that we have, we don't make mistakes and we don't, we don't sin. And that's what you should look for. And I can totally inspire you by my goodness in Christ. And it's like, that's not how it works. We're inspiring people through the forgiveness we have in the fact that we are not great people sometimes and we do mess up. And I think as a church organization, we, we've preached the truth, but we live kind of in a reality, you know, that we don't always live the truth. And we're walking with Christ in grace, just like everybody else is trying to, you know, and I think that's, that's valuable, especially to this younger generation. I mean, you and I are technically considered like, I think you are older millennial or whatever, who cares? But the point is like younger families with kids that are, that are small. I mean, we want authenticity in our church and when it's never, you never mess up, then that's not, we know that's fake. We know that can't be the truth. Well, and what's funny is like, you know, I use Wendy's as as an example. When they first started getting publicity for being funny and sassy and people were catching on to to see like, wow, they're they're actually, you know, having have an awesome account. Uh, They they messed up on something. I forget what it was, but they they totally messed up and got owned on something. And there were all these articles of like, oh, there's there's the end of that. You know, the corporate uh, execs are going to shut this down. And then they just kept they like doubled down on the sass. Yes. Went to the next one. And then they made another mistake, like a major one. And it it just kept, you know, building upon it. And I'm I'm thinking, man, like how awesome for that social media manager because she she probably has the best boss to say, you know what, yeah, you made a mistake there. Like let's do an apology and move on. But I support you in this. I see the value in this. Let's keep going. And right. instead you expect them to shut it down. And I think we can learn so much from that. Like if, if Wendy's can do it, then the church can certainly do it. Like, honestly, you know, there's, there's going to be boundaries and things like that. Like you can't, you can't lie. You can't, you know, you can't do sinful right. things, but that doesn't like, those are barely, there shouldn't be restrictions that, you know, bar us from doing anything. Right. And honestly, I, when I see a, when I see a church that's willing to play a little bit, with with their people or you know with i mean they're not taking themselves so seriously that yeah. makes me want to listen to the other serious things they say and i think that's what really connects the fun to your strategy of like sharing the gospel it's like how yeah. did, how did you how did you meet your best friend you know it's like you did something together you enjoy each other's company you you really like being you laugh together i mean when people laugh they want to they want to laugh again. I don't know anybody that like, I hate laughing. <laughs> you know, right. It's like inherent in laughing is that you're enjoying it. And so it's like you, you meet people that way. And then as you do more of that together, someday the friendship and the relationship turns into, I can talk to this person about deep things. How, right. how did that happen? We laughed a lot together. Those are completely opposite things. You know, it's like, how did that happen? We're relational beings. And I think you're right on. Like the church is missing that component in a lot of ways. And again, there's a lot of churches, I think, that that are really trying to do that. It's just there's there's a stigma out there that we're not supposed to. And I think that's really holding us back. Well, and it's, you know, when you think about how people talk about their their spouses or, um, gosh, you know, I, I remember back in my dating days, it it didn't matter who was the the hottest or you know who had the best car, the best job. Like the way you win the girl is by making her laugh. Absolutely. And when when your wife talks about why she loves her husband, it's usually you know what he's he's the only one that can make me laugh and make me smile like every single day. It has nothing to do about his his looks or his weight or anything like that. Like re- that's how relationships are built. People make each other 
feel good and loved and we create that we're definitely built like god wants us to be happy god wants us to enjoy life he doesn't want us to be you know gospel robots who are just out there spreading the word like you know he was funny like he he spoke in parables and questions mm-hmm. when pharisees would ask him stupid stuff he would like trick them and throw it back on him he wasn't you know a robot with this stuff like we shouldn't be either yeah jesus did make a habit of trolling the pharisees it's pretty awesome totally <laughs> well justin this has been an incredible conversation man i could go on and on and on and talk to you forever about this stuff um but we are going to have to move on and i want to talk to you i want to find out how can people get in touch with you yeah, you can go. Uh, best way to find everything, I guess, is justinjdean.com. You can find me on Twitter, justinjdean, and uh, you can find information on my book there about um, that church conference, which is the conference I run, which is digital communications training for churches. We've got annual conference here in Atlanta, and we've got regional workshops all over the nation, online training. Uh, you're a part of the community, and we love having you. And uh, you can get information on the conference at thatcc.com. Yeah, and actually, I'm going to be at the one in Atlanta, so I look forward to meeting a lot of people that I've come to know through Facebook and the groups and the community that actually meet them face-to-face for the first time. It's going to be really exciting. I'm, I'm pumped about it. And you know what? If anybody wants to come to the conference and meet Seth in person, there you go. just use the code Seth, and we'll give you 50 bucks <laughs> off. Hey, that'll be the best 50 bucks off you've ever gotten. That's right. You got to give Seth twenty five of it. Though. Exactly. I, I'm. I, I definitely got to get my my uh, my cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we go, I always like to have a, uh, a quick little section of quick fire questions you are not prepared for, called five yeah. on the spot. And this is the worst. Worst. This is the worst part of any podcast. <laughs> <laughs> not this one, buddy, because I've tailored this one specifically for you. Oh, uh, great! This is five on the spot, the taco edition. Boom town. Do we have a jingle? Do we have a taco jingle? I'll put it in later if I come up with nice. that. <laughs> so here we go. Question one. Answer on Reddit. I found this inquiry. So answer the following Reddit inquiry. Okay. The guy says, I purchased some Taco Bell Monday, didn't finish it all, so I put a remaining bean burrito in the fridge. It's now huh? Thursday. Is the burrito still okay to eat if I heat it up, or should I toss it? <laughs> I, you know, me personally, I would toss it, man. I'm not one for leftovers, especially Taco Bell. You got to eat that stuff fresh. Yeah. According to RecipeTips.com, they said three to five days is about okay. However, yep. one redditor did say, "Hey, it goes bad before they cook it there." Yeah, it was bad to begin with. It's pretty awesome. I had to include that. I thought that was an awesome response. All right. Question two: Where can a human eat the greatest tacos, in your opinion? Oh man, like that's so hard. Like you gotta, you gotta define regions because I probably got one for each region. But um, near you know, in Atlanta, near your house in Atlanta, um, there is a carnicería, like a Mexican, you know, shopping grocery store in the middle of Cumming, Georgia. Uh, I think it's called Carnicería Hernandez. And in the back of this grocery store is a little taco restaurant. And it, it's like you literally just it's, like as and the, it's run by the like, eight year old boy. You just kind of point to what you want. <laughs> and it, but it is the best Mexican food probably I've ever had. Like it, it is legit good stuff. And like normally you walk into a place like that and you get this kind of grisly cheap meat. But man, this is like the best meat. It's fresh. 
it's all fresh and good. Like it, it's so good. So definitely check that out if you're in Georgia. It's worth worth the drive up there. <laughs> but uh, man, I, I'm like my I'm a big fan for like uh, New Mexican. You go to New Mexico and get uh, New Mexican food. Or uh, like Tex-Mex stuff. Like uh, I'll, I'll go to Chewy's. Yeah, but you know that's probably the best. Uh, you and I had uh, yeah. some uh, tacos once there. So yeah, Chewy's is one of my favorites, man. It's oh, probably yeah. my favorite now. It's I think so. so good. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's a chain. It's a big chain, but they're legit. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's making me hungry now. All I right, know. question three. <laughs> Let's try to get through this. Uh, question three: If you were to give the morning speech to a crew of Taco Bueno employees, what would the first and most important? What would the most important takeaway be? <laughs> this is the dumbest question. <laughs> That's my specialty. <laughs> oh man, you know I would say love on the people because people over tacos, everybody. People over tacos. People. That sounds like a great T-shirt. You need to get on yeah. that. People over tacos. <laughs> it could be like a division problem, like a fraction. You said people line tacos. That's right. It's <laughs> awesome. Trademark. You're welcome. I'll give you that that idea for free. All right. <laughs> question four. Which is more better, Chipotle or Freebirds? I've never had Freebirds. You've never had Freebirds? Free it's it's no. like Chipotle. It's a little bit different. Um, okay. They, you know, I like Chipotle is a pet peeve for mine. Like I, I like Chipotle's food, but I I kind of hate the company. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know, the CFO getting arrested for cocaine and stuff aside, they're just they're just idiots. They don't know how to run a business. They concentrate too much on this trend of everything's got to be organic and GMO free. And so, mm-hmm. you know, we went without carnitas for like two years because in case of, right? they called the pigs bad names when they slaughtered them. I, I don't know. Like, it was just dumb. <laughs> I'm like, just make me a, a burrito and shut up about all the stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> How so, do you truly feel? Pissed off probably half of your listeners. <laughs> That's okay. They stay that way. All right. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Question five. Question five and the most important one. All right. So if you had to choose between eating tacos every day or being skinny the rest of your life, which would you choose? Crunchy or soft tacos? <laughs> Crunchy all the way. <laughs> That's correct. That's the correct answer for you. That's right. Yeah. No, you would never make me choose between tacos or anything else it's funny like we always try to do um when we're having family dinners my uh, son my oldest son is nine and he likes to throw out questions like that like the would you rather questions yeah. and he always tries to stump me with taco ones and like he'll, he'll say would you rather you know eat tacos for the rest of your life or stay married to mommy and i'll like not even hesitate eat tacos like <laughs> just just to make it funny but uh he's always trying to stump me with it. and i'm like no man like tacos are life yeah, how's the couch after that? This is serious business. How's the couch after that? Is it comfortable or? <laughs> well, Justin, no thanks comment. so much for coming on, man. It's been a lot of fun, and as, as always, very insightful for our audience and talking about social media and handling the magical beast of trolls and things you'll meet online. So, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Love you, man. I appreciate what you're doing. Love the content you're putting out. So, thank you for having me on. Well, thank you. That's awful sweet. Let's uh, have Chewy sometime soon, buddy. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back next week with another podcast. So we'll see you. Bye-bye.